Nothing else will 
Well, here we go in our series, Restore and Renew, and we're asking the question today, how do people grow spiritually? Uh, think for just a moment about your spiritual growth. What has been helpful to you in growing spiritually? Uh, what kinds of uh, catalytic events, uh, people, uh, perhaps inspiring messages, experiences that, that connected your heart to God? Uh, maybe it was a relationship that made a big impact on you. We want to explore that a little bit today. How do, how do people grow spiritually? Um, but let me ask you this. Um, when it comes to working out, what are your views on working out? If somebody stopped you on the street and said, can we interview you about working out? Would you tell them about your workout? Or would you say, you know, and give them a great conceptual abstraction on why it's good to work out. Uh, have you ever had that experience where you finally decide to go back to the gym and it's easy. You pay them up front, uh, you commit to a personal trainer, and then when you show up as you're walking through this routine with the trainer, you're realizing, I didn't realize how bad of shape I'm in because I am exhausted. And at that point, the trainer says, well, okay, now that we're done with the warm-up, let's get into the workout. And you're thinking, this is really hard. Well, so the big first idea of the morning is this. Spiritual growth is easier than we think and harder than we like. Spiritual growth is, is easier than we think. All you have to do is show up. But really, uh, it's harder than we like. It's easy because God supports us in it. And his resources for us are plentiful. So many resources, uh, print resources, video resources, uh, audio resources, people resources uh, to help us uh, grow spiritually. But it's harder than we like uh, because we naturally resist the process. Uh, let me explain what I mean by that. We resist because we have this internalized approach avoidance conflict. And for some reason, spiritual growth is one of those things that kicks that into high gear. Uh, as a kid, and maybe you are a kid, but if you're an adult as a kid, did you ever get up on that high dive thinking this is going to be really fun? It looks like those people are having such a great time. And you, you get in the long line, you get up to the top of the, the ladder, and you think, wow, it's a little scary up here. You get on the board, you walk out to the end, and the board is gently sort of moving up and down. You're thinking, whoa, whoa, whoa. And as you look down, you didn't realize that you'd climbed a mile into the sky. And now you're looking down on this pool. It is so far away. And you realize this was not a good idea. And so you start to back off, but then you realize there's 20 people behind you on the ladder, on the ground, they're, they're not just cheering you, they're jeering you. Get off the board, jump. That's approach avoidance. It's a conflict that says, I really want to do something, but then again, when I get close to the moment, I'm not sure this is really what I want to do. You see, we're made for God, but we want to control our lives, not surrender to Him. Last week we talked about uh, that wonderful uh, verse out of uh, Psalm 46, 1. Be still and know that I am God. We talked about the fact that be still, that little phrase means surrender. Surrender and know that I am God. And we think, yeah, that's a great idea. But then fear and pride can imprison us from taking the next steps. 
of actually following through on that surrender. A change is uncomfortable uh, and risky. Uh, we might fail. We might look foolish. It might be really awkward. And therefore, we experience pushback in three ways. This approach, avoidance, conflict in us, when it comes to spiritual growth, uh, is, is a form of, uh, uh, of pushback. It starts, first of all, um, maybe with other people. We experience pushback from people. Why do you believe that? Why are you becoming a Christian? Why? I remember when I first became a follower of Jesus, people were, were shocked. Why would you do that? Why would you believe that? You're going to ruin your social life. You're going to be one of them, whatever one of them was to them. Pushback like that. Uh, Paul wrote to Timothy in, in 2 Timothy 3.12. He said, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, I, I wouldn't say I was persecuted as a, as a senior in high school, putting my faith in Christ. But I, definite, I definitely felt some serious, serious social pushback. Some scoffing, some mocking. Uh, some people saying, man, I, I thought uh, uh, I wanted to hang out with you, but you know, this is, this is not what I want to be a part of. Now, of course, I made a lot of other friends who were followers of Jesus, and it was life-changing in every way. But there was pushback from people. Secondly, we experience internal pushback from our old nature. Because even when we say, okay, I'm going to jump, I'm going to go off the high dive, uh, as we move through that process of, of learning God's Word and walking in His love and grace... Uh, our old nature keeps popping up. Things we used to think about, things we used to do. Uh, there's a stubbornness, uh, a resistance. Uh, in fact, the, again, the Apostle Paul talks about this in his own life in Romans chapter 7. He says, I, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus our Lord. He was saying, you know, my old nature keeps popping up saying, Saul, I know you're called Paul now, but really you're Saul. Why are, why are, you, why are you following Jesus? Can't you see the pushback you're getting from people? Can't you see how this is ruining your career as an up-and-coming rabbi and leader among the Jewish people? Yeah, lots of other Jewish people have become followers of Jesus and have led you uh, along the way. But this is inconvenient. And this is your inner self speaking, right? Uh, this is your inner, inner old person, old nature. Uh, the third form of pushback we experience is from our spiritual enemy, the devil. Uh, Peter writes in 1 Peter 5.8, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That's pushback. Oh, you're a follower of Jesus? I'm going to squash you. I'm going to eat you. I'm going to destroy you. James, in, in James 4, 7, writes this. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So we have three forms of pushback that are part of our, our own internal approach, avoidance, conflict. Have you experienced this? Or perhaps you're experiencing it right now. You know it's no fun being stuck. And that's what approach avoidance is. It's, it's about being stuck. And our avoidance conflict comes in several flavors. Our approach avoidance conflict comes in several forms. Uh, busyness is a form of, of avoidance. Yeah, I'll, I'll read my Bible later. 
Uh, indifference. Well, it's not that important to go to church. Indolence. You know, I just don't feel like it. It's a lot of effort to get up and go to a life group this early in the morning. And delaying, also known as procrastination. Uh, procrastination, isn't that a fascinating word? Uh, the original form of the word was crastination. Uh, the archaic version of the word was simply crastination. How did it become procrastination? I imagine the conversation like this. Hey, what's your view on crastination, pro or con? And the person asking says, by the way, you owe me money. And you say, oh, definitely I'm into procrastination. I'm very much for putting off paying my bills back, paying my debts on time. Um, I'm procrastination. And you? Well, because you owe me money, I'm very concrastination. I'm really, I'm really not into delaying and putting off what's super important to me. So part of the challenge for us is saying, what really is important to me? Who is important to me? Uh, and resolving that. Because procrastination isn't just time management. Well, I'm really busy, you know, I, I, I take on too much. No. Procrastination is emotional management. Who am I really? And who do I want to be? Who am I fooling? Just me. Why am I holding back from surrendering myself to the Lord? At one point, perhaps you said, I would do anything for the Lord. I'll follow him anywhere. I'll make any sacrifice. And at some point, maybe you sort of ran out of steam. You, you plateaued or you, you stopped worshiping God in, in a public setting. You stopped reading your Bible. You stopped being in, in close fellowship with followers of Jesus. You stopped doing works of compassion in his name to bless people. And one day you realize, you know, I'm just not that into it. It's an emotional management thing. And not just emotional as in feelings, but the, but the internal wisdom of what is most essential for our being and our development as human beings. So spiritual growth is a gift that requires discipline to develop and to enjoy. We have to push through busyness and indolence uh, and indifference and procrastination and say, okay, this is so essential, like eating, like breathing, like staying healthy enough to be able to function properly. Uh, but the problem is we want benefits without behavior change, payoff without practice. I was talking to a friend recently, and he was talking about the fact that he, he signed up to have a personal trainer for 10 sessions. He paid the money up front, and he said, so that I paid the money, and I know this guy is going to be waiting for me. I need to show up. He put himself in a place where he, where he felt obligated to go, and he said, I went to the first one. It was pretty good. Uh, but the next couple of days after that, I was in such pain and agony. I was thinking, did I, did I make the right decision? You know, a little buyer's remorse, some cognitive dissonance. But at some point, we just have to make a decision. God has given us will. That's called volition. We get to make decisions and push through what we don't feel like doing because it's the right thing to do. And we know what happens. You know what happens. When we do the right thing for the right reasons, our feelings come along. Our, our feelings align with that larger purpose and those core commitments. So spiritual growth is easier than we think and harder than we like. The second point of the morning is this. Uh, really, it's about getting personal with God. It's, it's that simple. Not simplistic, but simple. Getting real and getting personal with God. Remember, be still and know that I'm God. Surrender and you'll understand who I am as God because I'll show you who I am as God. So in our approach avoidance mode, we like God remote and impersonal, out there somewhere. 
May the force be with you, but not too close. May the force be with you, impersonal, at, at a distance. Don't crowd my space. But God closes that gap by getting scary close. This is what's shocking and scandalous about God coming into the world in Jesus Christ. God becomes human, fully God, fully man, walking the very roads that, that every other person was walking at the time, experiencing everything a human could experience, being tempted in every way, yet without sin. God is scary close. And through his Holy Spirit, he gets close to us. And he asks us questions like this, will you trust me? That's another form of, will you surrender to me? Will you be still and know who I am? Will you trust me? And we say, yes, of course. But we really mean, it depends. Yes, of course, but... And of course, God sees right through that. He sees right to the heart of us. And he says, depends on what? You mean, it depends. And we say, well, will you make my circumstances better? And now we're doing a deal. We're, we're negotiating. But he says, I'll make you better. He doesn't promise to make our circumstances better. He promises to make us better in the midst of our circumstances. And yet eventually he might change those circumstances on our behalf or he will just simply give us what we need to power through, to overcome, to get around those circumstances. Not just to go through them, but to grow through them. Maybe you're going through some really tough circumstances right now. The Lord isn't going to maybe take those away. He's going to perhaps make you and probably make you the person you need to be to move through those circumstances. Not simply going through them, but growing through them. He says, I'll make you better, but it requires trust. And, and if, if imagining this conversation with God, he would say trust equals faith. Faith equals growth. Growth equals vitality. Vitality equals resilience. Resilience equals joy. Joy equals wisdom. Wisdom equals influence. And influence is more faith. God is building us in this uh, upward spiral of belief and virtue and practice that reinforces our capacity our willingness to trust in him. So he says, trust me. It's getting personal with God. But why don't we trust? What's the cost of not trusting God? Well, we see this in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. You see Adam and Eve having disobeyed God. We read this in Genesis 3. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? Of course, God knew where he was, but he's asking, where are you? The man answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. Naked and afraid. And in that conversation, basically the man and the woman say, it's not my fault. Then why are you hiding? Why are you overwhelmed with shame and alienation? Psalm 14, 1 tells us this, The fool says in their heart there is no God. A foolish person is simply one who says, I will not depend on God. I will not trust in God. That's foolishness at the heart of foolishness, right? If God is God, why wouldn't you trust him and depend on him? There's nothing but good in God. He's fully righteous, kind, just, all-powerful, yes. 
But God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. And so our sense of reality is clouded, confused, corrupted. So we make our own way. We don't trust God, we trust us. And Proverbs 14, 12 tells us this. There's a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Good intentions, uh, but a bad outcome. So the third point of the morning is this. The coordinates for spiritual growth are vertical and horizontal. Vertical and horizontal. The vertical component is God. We look up to him. I'm, I'm talking about you know, directional. We look up to him. Look out to him. Look around for him. In any case, we're saying, Lord, I, I, I want to focus on you. I want to know you. I want to be still and know that you are God. I'm surrendering to you. Strong, vertical. We have this vertical relationship. Everybody who puts their faith in the Lord has that personal connection with God. You don't have to go through another person or an institution. You don't need somebody to intercede for you. God has already interceded for us in Christ. So we have a strong vertical relationship. And then the horizontal is the world we live in. All the people and events and circumstances that God works through to build us, to, to give us this experience of spiritual growth that allows us to fully develop as the people he created us to be. So essentially it's coming into our right heart, right soul, right mind, right strength in Jesus Christ. It's not being more religious, it's about being more alive. And all those practices, all those new habits we develop, all those things we put ourselves in front of, like the Bible or, or a worship service or in a life group, are not ends in themselves. They're means in which we experience the very presence of God and that set us up to have a deeper understanding, knowledge, and love of Him and the people uh, around us. We learn to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. So in Christ, God took the initiative in reaching out and coming to rescue us. It's God's initiative. It's God who initiated this relationship with us. It's God who makes it possible. It's God who has us in his grip. I love the way that uh, the, 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 the Bible gives us opportunity and examples of taking responsibility for our own growth. Nobody can experience spiritual growth for you. It's yours to experience. And God meets us where we are and takes us where we couldn't go but for him. I love the way the psalmist says it. Psalm 139, verses 23 to 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We're bringing ourselves into a place of reverent focus and attention, surrender before the Lord. We take responsibility for our own spiritual growth under his tutelage. Again, he's initiated it. He's the one making it possible. He's the one providing the resources. We've got to be present to him and responsive to him. And so God's work, God works in our life circumstances through his word, through his spirit, through his people. That's the strong vertical and the strong horizontal coming together. That's the, that's the coordinate for spiritual growth. Where do I get spiritual growth? Where do I go? Well, you come into the presence of God. You pay attention to what he's doing around you. Bible knowledge, emotional healing and wholeness, relational skills, intellectual development, personal capacity in managing your life, acts of compassion. These are all features, functional aspects of how people grow. I love how John, uh, Henry Cloud and John Townsend describe the components of this and how people grow. It's been sort of a basic text in our church uh, since its inception. 
It's, it's a profound uh, and, and core kind of book for every follower of Jesus to read. Because in How People Grow, they talk about how grace and acceptance, forgiveness, the role of suffering and grief, discipline, truth, time, all are components of this process of spiritual development, spiritual growth. I strongly recommend you read the book and let it guide your spiritual growth. In the book, they talk about how God is the gardener of our souls, cultivating his righteousness in us. He plants, nurtures, waters, feeds, prunes, and produces spiritual growth in us. Again, using everything in our actual life. And so the God who created all things is recreating something new in us. It's a custom fit. It's what you need from him. It's universal in that you can share uh, much of the experience with other people, a worship service, participating in a life group, reading the word of God. But it's also unique and customized to you. You're going to have your own unique uh, outlook on it. Not different, unorthodox. It'll be completely orthodox, but it'll be uniquely your version of orthodox. Not your own private little um, faith, but rather a faith that connects you to the, the body of Christ and the family of God, going back as far as you can imagine. But in that process, you are the, better of your, the best version of you that you could ever imagine. God is doing his work in you to fulfill his purposes for you. And so by faith, we're a part of a powerful movement of God's spirit in the world. You get to be a full member in that. You have full access to this powerful movement of God in the world through his Holy Spirit, guided by his word in the company of his people. God's got a plan and a purpose for you, for each one of us. And, and like a puzzle coming together, like, like, the, like the parts of a machine, or like the beautiful elements of a garden, it all comes together under his sovereignty. He makes it possible for us to spiritually grow. So it's for everyone who will open their heart and their mind and their hands to him. It's for you. It's for me. It's for all of us together. In fact, it's essential for our fullest development as people. You can't be a fully developed human being without this. You can be developed in so many ways. Because really, uh, all growth is, is in some ways uh, part of this larger spiritual growth. It all contributes. But if we don't know the Lord, we don't know what to do with the growth that we have. The, the, the education, the knowledge, the life experiences. They're there, they're important, they're significant. Uh, we might have learned some lessons, but it only comes together in Him. It's essential for our fullest development as people that we would uh, be in this process of spiritual growth and development. Become the fullest version of who we're meant to be. That's why people grow. How people grow? All those elements I just mentioned. But why we grow, why we grow, is that we're becoming what we were created to be. Just let that sink in. In Christ, you are becoming what you were created to be. He's rescued you that you could become what you were created to be. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's why it's good news. Progress now, perfection later. We're works in progress in our maker's hands. And I'll leave you with this thought. It's my confession. Um, I agree with Paul because it was his confession. He says this, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I'm pressing on 
to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. That's Philippians 3.12. I, I hope you meditate on that. Let, let uh, Philippians 3.12 be your, your guide uh, through the week, uh, as, as should you know, Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search me, Lord. Uh, not that I've, I've attained it all, but I'm moving uh, with you through life, uh, experiencing the, the wonder and the beauty of who you are now on the way to something even better. That's my prayer for you and for me. So, Lord Jesus, we commit ourselves to you that we could open our hearts and open our minds, open our hands to you, that we would be restored, forgiven, renewed, that we would learn deeply of your love, that we'd experience it in so many practical ways, that we would be conduits of your love to others. We pray, Lord, that spiritual growth would be more than a concept or an abstraction. It would be the very thing that identifies us. It's shaping, it's shaping our core identity So, Lord, we confess our absolute need for your absolute grace, and we commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' holy name, amen. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon us all, giving us his peace, his power, his mercy, his goodness, one day at a time, both now and forevermore. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.